You're listening to the Auxiliary Gate Podcast, Kentucky's weekly horse racing discussion. And now, here are your hosts, Alan Schneider, Brandon Jaggers, and me, C.C. Broadus. everybody you've reached brandon jaggers with the auxiliary gate tonight we've got a special guest uh we have uh alan schneider in the room as well as cc broadus but we want to introduce our special guest tonight who has been around the kentucky thoroughbred racing circuit and kentucky thoroughbreds pretty much all his life uh a definite louisville native uh he's got 30 years plus uh in the industry and he keeps his tack at starlight racing training center uh, this guest was a former protege of, of a former trainer named Frank Brothers, and his first win came in the year of 1991, so he's got a lot of experience. His big first graded stakes win, uh, grade one stakes win, came this year during COVID, 2020, uh, with the winner of Art Collector in this year's Toyota Bluegrass Stakes at Keeneland. Tonight, the Auxiliary Gate Podcast wishes to welcome our special guest, Mr. Tom Jury Jr. Tom, how are you? I'm doing great. Thank you guys for having me. Great. Well, thanks for being on. And uh, man, I tell you, we, we were hope rooting for you and cheering for you in the Breeders' Cup Mile this year. That was a tough, tough race, super fast. Uh, but we were all behind you rooting for you. But uh, just a great season with our collector and uh, just happy to have you on. Well, I appreciate you guys having me. It's, you know, it's been... 2020 has just been a strange year to say the least and uh i I think we're one of the few people that benefited from it you know our collector kind of fell into our lap and gave us just the the opportunity of a lifetime and he's taken us you know he he just he took my career places i never thought it would go this summer and you know it's just it's really been a lot of fun it it getting getting up and going to the barn right now uh there's there's definitely a little more pep in my step that's for sure (laughs) great great well Tell us how you got involved, and I think maybe your dad or somebody was involved early on, and who was kind of your first influence? You know, I, I grew up around the backside. My dad always trained horses, and I, I, I say he trained. He, he really galloped horses for other trainers, but he always kept a horse or two of his own, and, uh, you know, it, it, it seemed like it was always something that he, you know, that, that had to have time off or, you know, somebody else didn't want it or you know, it was always a, a project kind of horse. And, uh, and I, you know, I kind of grew up, uh, early on, I remember helping him with those, those horses and, and whatnot. And, uh, and, you know, as I, as I got older, I, I started galloping horses myself and, uh, kind of working for other outfits, other trainers. And, and it just kind of, just kind of went from there. I got my trainer's license when I was 18 years old. I was at the time, I was the youngest licensed trainer in the state. Um, wow. And, uh, you know, I was kind of proud of that. I, you know, I, 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 you know, it seems like I've known all my life. This is what I wanted to do. I've never really, I've just never saw myself doing anything else. So, uh, you know, to be able to get a license, a trainer's license at a young age and, uh, to get started, I thought, I thought that was the right way to do it. But, uh, it really, you know, even though I got that license, it took, it took me a long time to really get going. Yeah. Do you remember some of their first, uh, owners and, and folks, I mean, obviously, we'll talk about Bruce Lunsford here in a second. But, you know, how did you how did you get started and, and kind of what was your niche early on that you thought you would you would travel down? You know, the first uh, the first horse I, I ever had in my life, I claimed at Churchill for sixty two fifty. It was a horse named Watch Me, Watch Me. 
uh, I, I ran him back and, and he was second the first time I ran him. Uh, to give you an idea of what year this was, Aaron Grider, it was the first year that Aaron Grider had ever ridden at Churchill. I think he ended mm-hmm. up being the rider that meet. And if I'm not mistaken, Aaron just announced his retirement like last last couple of weeks. So uh, to give you an idea how long that's been, I think that was uh, that was his first year riding. He I think he had the bug in California and then, then relocated to Kentucky, and that would have been his first year here. And you know, of course, just a couple of weeks ago he's retired. So that, that's been some time ago. But uh, but that being said. Uh, you know that for a long time that that that's kind of where my career was at. I, I you know I would have a cheap claimer and you know gallop horses on the side and you know fortunately I was able to gallop horses for some of the bigger outfits. Uh, you know I got on horses for Bill Mott and you know Wayne Lucas back in his heyday and you know when he was really rolling. Um, Frankie Brothers, uh, Brian Mayberry, he had that Philly Sardula that ran in the Oaks and you know being able to work for people like that I was able to. Uh, you know, I was just able to kind of expand on on my horsemanship and learn how different trainers did different things, and 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 I was able to kind of start putting a little bit of that kind of stuff into my program, and it just it just kind of kind of gave me a, a a direction of where I wanted my career to go. You know, it kind of pointed me in the right direction. Um, yeah. And and uh, you know, it's just kind of slowly and steadily grown since then. Yeah, a big big spike this year, but I mean, really, the last ten years, it's your wins are starting to add up and, and putting the horses in the right places. Uh, tell us a little bit about Skylight Training Center and your involvement out there. My dad, when I was a kid, uh, my dad galloped horses there. Uh, Blackie and uh, Neil Huffman had it at the time. Uh, Blackie Huffman is uh, Ben Huffman, the racing secretary at Churchill. That would be his father. And uh, my dad worked for worked for them. And I can remember my very first job at Skylight as a kid was to sweep the aisleway. They would they would pull the tractor through the aisleway and clean the stalls and I would follow behind it and sweep the aisleway up. And uh, that that's my very first job I can remember having in a barn at at all. Uh, You know, now you fast forward, you know, I think I've been at Skylight for about the last 15 years, and uh, and it, it, it's really worked out good. It allows me to work with other trainers. Uh, they send me young horses and surgery horses, things of that nature. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll help evaluate talent and, and just do a variety of things. And uh, Bill Mott was the one that really kind of put me in the map doing that. I You know, I, I tried doing it for a long time, and I didn't have a lot of success, and uh, I had galloped horses for Bill. He sent me a few horses to to leg up. And, you know, it just seems like once you're, you know, when you're able to start telling people you work for a guy like Bill Mott, suddenly you got the credibility that you need to, you know, to be able to move forward. And and that was that was kind of a big turning point in my career. It, it uh, that seems like that's when, you know, more people started giving me opportunities and, you know, more of the right people started giving me opportunities. And and uh, it's just kind of over the years, it's just kind of snowballed into what it is today. That's great. Well, you know, I guess when we fast forward, how long have you been with, you know, like we, we've talked about over the phone, you know, with Lance and Robbins, we got a great story we want folks to hear as well as uh, Bruce Lunsford. I mean, I think you've been with those guys for a little while now. Tell us a little bit about that. I actually met Bruce Lunsford. Uh, I met Lansden through Bruce Lunsford, and I met Bruce Lunsford by working for Bill Mott early on. Uh, Bill sent me uh, a couple of horses that Bruce owned, and 
And, uh, and then of course, Bruce also had horses with Frank brothers and I ultimately ended up doing some work for him as well. So, so I had a couple of different ties that introduced me to Bruce and, uh, and, you know, once Frankie retired, when, when, when he, uh, when he retired, he actually turned a couple of Bruce's horses over to me and, and that kind of gave me an opportunity to run a few, you know, run a few horses for him. And it just seems like ever since then, Bruce has always made sure, even at the training center, you know, he's always made sure to leave a horse or two with me and try to kind of help me out when he could. And and he's he's just really, I mean, gosh, I, I you know, Bruce has just given me the opportunity of a lifetime with Art Collector. But, uh, you know, that, that's gone on for a long time. You know, Bruce has been helping me out for, for a lot of years now, and he's been a big supporter of us. And you know, gosh, I, I just can't say enough good things about him, but he's actually the one that introduced me to Lansden Robbins, and, you know, Lansden's got some nice yearlings this year that uh, we're looking forward to getting our hands on next year, so, uh, you know, wow. we've got some good things happening right now. Lansden kind of shared with me uh, off the podcast uh, one evening about a horse that I guess maybe was with Bill Mott or some trainer, and they just couldn't get him to run or, or be consistent, and they shipped him to him and uh, they, or to you. And, and so tell us a little bit about that story. I forget the horse's name now. Drilling for drilling for oil. That's never, right. That's I'll right. never forget that horse as long as I live. He uh, he was, you know, he was sent to me and he he had a little rap sheet with him. Uh, you know, during morning training, he'd be galloping along and he'd just hit the brakes on you. And uh, and I think the riders were having a lot of trouble getting him to go around the racetrack and and uh, Bruce and Lansden owns the own the horse together. And Bruce recommended, you know, that he come to me and uh, and uh, just, you know, let us kind of work with him and see what we could get accomplished. And we 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 spent that entire summer just trying to kind of reschool that horse and reeducate him and get him doing things correctly. And he was a he was a major project getting him to do it. But uh, he ended up winning the Louisville Handicap at Churchill, which is a it's a grade three race. And. Uh, I remember, I remember watching that race like it was yesterday. I mean, we were screaming, we was watch, at home watching on TV and uh, just screaming for this horse to win, you know, after all the work we'd put into him and he ends up winning the race. And it, it, I, I don't know, maybe a couple of weeks later, a big package shows up at my front door and uh, Lansden had blown the wind photo up and had it framed. I mean, just a beautiful frame. And had a nice note in, you know, just thanking us for our efforts and putting the horse, you know, back together and helping to get him to the races and, and, and whatnot. And it, you know, usually when you, when you work at a training center and you're doing things behind the scenes, you're, you know, once these horses go to the racetrack, you're kind of forgotten about. And, you know, for a guy like Lansden to remember us, you know, after him winning that graded stake, I mean, that, that was just a big deal. And that picture still hangs in my office today. I mean, it's awesome. Uh, I've got the note taped to the frame, and uh, that's 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 probably one of the one of the most special things that uh, that I've had happen to me. Wow. Well, you know, at this time, I wanted to open up to my my podcast mates, uh, Alan and CC Broadus, to see what what questions they may have. Go ahead, CC. Okay, Tom. I, I was just curious I, if you could expand a little bit on uh, Skylight Training Center. I know that's uh, that's. Uh, that's your home base, and, and I know you're favorable favorable to, to that. Uh, what tell us some advantages you have uh, working your horses out of Skylight? Well, I think you know I, I think it benefits both the young younger horses and the older horses. You know, as far as legging up babies and things of that nature, 
Uh, it's an art. We've got an artificial surface on our racetrack. The track's three quarters of a mile, and uh, it just allows us the consistency, especially in the winter months. It allows us to have these babies stay on schedule. You know, we're not dealing with frozen racetracks. We're not dealing with sloppy racetracks and missing breezes and things like that. So I think that's where your babies are going to benefit from it. Then your older horses, you know, a lot of times it's not so much the racetrack. It's just the environment. You know, it's a quieter environment. There's plenty of green grass there. You know, we can kind of mix up the training a little more. We're not quite as rushed as we would be at the racetrack. And I think there's, you know, there's there's really a lot of a lot of good things that, that come along with having horses at, at, at a training center. Uh, you know, I tell all my clients, it's, uh, you know, as these two-year-olds train along and they get closer to running, I think they do need to, to get the education of the racetrack. And, and some, some older horses, they, uh, you know, I, I've, I've had a few that I felt like maybe did better at the racetrack, but, but overall, uh, you know, I think we can, we can accomplish just as much at, at Skylight as we can anywhere on earth. Have you uh, felt any pressure or do you anticipate felt, feel, uh, feeling any pressure about moving south for the winter? I'm actually going to send a few horses to New Orleans this year. Uh, I sent my first couple yesterday and and I, I, I'll probably send a few more next week. I, I've got six stalls at the fairgrounds and I'm going to kind of do it with my training wheels on this year. I'm actually sending the horses down. They're going to be in Al Stahl's barn who I work very closely with and uh Al's going to kind of oversee the horses for me. So, you know, I don't have to worry about having quite as much staff in place, uh, you know, having somebody like him helping me and being in, a, in his barn, uh, you know, he'll kind of handle things for me. And then in return, I'll probably have a few horses for him that I'll race at Turfway and we're, you know, we're going to kind of help each other out a little bit. So, uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm starting to kind of head South a little bit. Uh, but uh, like I said, I'm kind of, kind of doing it with my training wheels on this winter. Okay, I'm going to drop a name here. And Brandon, you might remember this name. Do you remember a, a gal that we used to work with named Christine Wall? By any chance? You you might have left the bank by then. No. You don't? Yeah, that, that's when I cashed in on all those uh, 10 cent <laughs> uh, stocks I bought. I got you. Well, <laughs> Mr. Tom probably knows Christine. Uh, that's that's Bill Wall's daughter and uh, or daughter in law and Richard Cornhorse's daughter. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, He's we got- used to. I used to work with her. Uh, I used to work with her, and uh, we were—I uh, was just with her one day, and, and uh, I asked her if uh, who, who name some name off some trainers that she trusted. And she said, "Well, there's not very many that that I trust. Uh, only my dad, maybe Tom Drury." So that's a that's a a, a compliment in your favor there. So that, they, that's a huge compliment. I, Christine's a great girl. She we were actually neighbors for a long time, and uh, she kind of lived diagonal from me, and and uh, she's still a good friend. I still still talk to her occasionally. And, uh, you know, I, I she she'd probably be the last attack. But, you know, she's a she's a pretty good horse horseman herself. She uh, she rode and showed growing up and whatnot. And, and she knows her way around the barn about as good as anyone. Well, if you ever see her, just tell her that uh, that I said hi. So uh, I, and she'll I, remember me from from uh, from the branch in Bloomfield. But anyway, Alan, do you have any questions for Tom? Oh yeah, yeah. Hey Tom, you know, as I mentioned earlier, I'm I'm a fan of local racing. This this podcast is primarily about Kentucky racing, and as someone who's followed local racing for most of my life, one of the reasons I've been a big fan of yours is seeing how much you support it, succeed at Turfway, Ellis, even Belterra. Now, not everybody goes that route, 
and you not only went off and but it kind of seems like you use those races as launching pads for uh, Churchill and Keeneland. Uh, can you talk a bit about your success at those quote unquote lesser tracks? Absolutely. And I, I you know, that's, that's been a little bit of a niche for my business is, Amen. uh, is being able, uh, you know, that that's really what, you know, that if you look at most of the, well, even Bruce, for instance, uh, you know, a lot of times that, you know, if a horse isn't doing and, and, you know, one of his other trainers are, and then he'll use, you know, he'll call me and, and I might take one to Belterra or Turfway to get a maiden broke or whatever we need to try to get accomplished. But, you know, I also do that for Claiborne Farm and gosh, I mean, just the, the list just goes on and on. People that we've, you know, we've been able to get our foot in the door with that way. And usually, you know, it, it's a horse that maybe doesn't do in a Bill Mott program or it doesn't do it in Al Stahl program. And, and, uh, and, and that gives me an opportunity to, to not only go win a horse race, but to get my foot in the door with some of the, some of the biggest owners in the country. And I think that's, you know, that's probably helped me as much as anything is, is having, having that lifeline of Turfway and Belterra. I mean, we've just kind of figured out, you know, we've kind of figured out how to make it work for us. And, you know, and then occasionally you'll have a horse that, uh, you know, that, uh, you you run up there that runs a little better than you you think it might have you know that was going to and then you can go on to churchill or keeneland or wherever you know wherever you may end up but uh uh but yeah that's that's really you know those those two tracks they they're really special to me they've really really helped launch my career yeah it's uh it's where i first started noticing was as a turf way you certainly win your share up there um but you know we're going to talk about art collector obviously in a minute there's two Lesser known horses of the years, and I could talk about 50 or 60 years over the years, but there's two I, I wanted to bring up real quick that I, I kind of wondered about. Nuru. Nuru, he's, this horse kind of always hinted at talent, and but he had one heck of an Ellis meet this year, and he ended up running second in the groupie doll, if I'm not mistaken. That's correct. Yeah, she did. Yeah. And, and did you did you know she'd be this good in 2020? It seemed like she made a big step forward up in Henderson this year. You know, I would love to tell you a fancy story. Uh, no, I did not. <laughs> I mean, really? I, I, I mean, I. You know, we went. You know, we 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 tried to do right by her. We gave her some time off last winter and freshened her up. Uh, she came back well. You know, you, we hoped that she would maybe jump forward a little bit. Uh, uh, you know, but but you just don't know until you until you lead them over there. I think the first time I ran her this year. She was maybe second at Turfway off the layoff, if I'm not mistaken, and and ran a, you know, ran a winning kind of race that night, but ran second, and 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 that, you know, that's great, but that usually, you know, you're usually not thinking groupie doll off of a race, right? So, uh, I, you know, for whatever reason, that filly just really got good over the course of the summer. I mean, man, when we, the first time we ran her at Ellis, I, I you know, Kobe didn't even pick her head up, and she just kind of ran out of the screen on those things, and. And, uh, and, and I'll be honest, I, I really didn't have the groupie doll. It wasn't on my radar. I was, I was kind of looking at that next allowance condition. Uh, Larry Jones that owns her, he's, uh, he's a member of the, uh, Churchill Downs racing club. And, uh, he's, you know, he's been involved in horses for some time and he's pretty game. And, and, uh, he, he, you know, I don't want to say he twisted my arm, but, he made it known that that's where he wanted to go and uh, the Philly was doing well. So we took a shot. Uh, but uh, I was, I was so proud of her that day. Cause she, you know, she laid closer to the closer to the lead than she might normally. And, and her and that other Philly kind of, kind of hooked up early yep. on and for her to still be around at the end of it, I was awful proud of her. 
I completely agree. Uh, again, as I mentioned, you know, I could name several your horses over the years. Another one I wanted to mention is a horse in this past meet at uh, Churchill. It's old turf uh, turf claimer named Jumper. Impressed, oh, yeah. Uh, impressed, yeah. The, hell, impressed the hell out of me. Uh, uh, a few weeks ago, if I'm not mistaken, you you had a runner a mile and a quarter, run him a mile and a quarter on dirt, and the horse responded and almost won the race. Uh, is are we looking that down the road? I mean, you've got a lot of options with this horse now. Distance, dirt, you could do a lot of different things with this horse. Yeah, he he really opened up a whole other can of worms, and and I, you know, it's it's funny we we were struggling. I I, I think I, I ran him at Kentucky Downs and. He just didn't didn't handle the track down there at all, which as as we all know, some horses don't. Right. And I was really having a lot of trouble getting him in, or you know, I would get him in on the grass and it would rain off, and it just really things just wasn't going right with him. And they had a they had a mile and three eighths one uh, X at Belterra, and I called the owner and I said, you know, if this thing was a mile, he'd be one to five, and and clearly the horse to beat. I don't know what to expect on a mile and three eighths, but let's, you know, let's try it and see what happens. He broke the track record. So, <laughs> so uh, at that point, uh, and again, I'd love to tell you a fancy story, but I try to try to be honest. Uh, I, 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 you know, we, 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 we were cautiously optimistic that day. Uh, we, you know, he's a big leggy kind of horse, you know, you, you want, you would think that he would get the distance, but you just don't know until you try it uh off of that race uh we were we were going to go to indiana and they ended up they had some issues with their grass course and and they were talking about taking races off the grass and they weren't sure when they were going to get back on it so i stuck him in the churchill race i you know just because we weren't we just didn't really have another spot available for him uh we knew we knew he would at least if nothing else like the distance so uh so we put him in that race, and then of course that race comes off the grass like an hour before the race. Yes, and, uh, I was I was in Ohio that day. I had, we uh, we were at the Best of Ohio that day, and my assistant called me, and and to look back on it to hear that conversation, it was pretty comical because at first I, I said just scratch him and go home, and well wait a minute we're already there we're already treated let me think about this and kind of back and forth and. And, uh, you know, then they called me after the race. They said he ran second and, you know, ran a monster race. Monster so, second. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, it, you know, I, I, you just, that, that's what makes the horse business so good is, uh, you know, you just never know. I mean, there's a horse that I was just absolutely convinced was a pure grass horse and, and, uh, he, he, he really got over the dirt well that day. Okay. So we've talked about those horses now let's get to the big one. Let's get to the, <laughs> let's get to the big dog art collector. I know you got him uh, late last year, early this year. When when did you know he was this good? I know I know when I expected him to be good. When I when he won that one turn dirt mile at Churchill, and then he went to two turns just as easy as he wanted to in that four horse allowance race. I knew he was special. When did I mean? Of course, you're there with him every day. When did you know he was special? I knew he was. I knew he was good last winter because Brian Brian Hernandez and I are really close friends. And Brian called me at over at some point last winter and said, "Hey, do uh, do you have that horse art collector?" And I said, "No, I, I I don't." And I knew who the horse was. I knew Brian had won on him in the fall. You know when Joe Sharp was training him. I knew who the horse was. I, you know, I knew Bruce had him somewhere, but I wasn't sure where. Uh, and this was kind of right in the middle of Bruce was shuffling, you know, 
some horses around and doing some different things. And, uh, and I, 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 nothing had been mentioned and, and I guess it would have been, I'm thinking it was the first part of January that Bruce called and said, Hey, uh, I've got a horse named art collector. It's in Lexington. I want you to pick him up and get him started. And, and I think maybe that night I called Brian and said, Hey, that, that horse is coming to me. And, and we were just chatting about him and, and Brian, you know, before I ever laid eyes on the horse, you know, Brian was telling me, you know, this, this horse can be special. He's, he's all right. And I, and I feel like, you know, that's, that's a little out of character for him to do that. I mean, it, he's not going to do that for just any horse. So, uh, so we kind of felt like going into it that, you know, he was a nice next level kind of horse. I'd be lying to you if I told you, I thought he was going to do what he ended up doing. I, uh, you know, I, I, I mean, he just, he came in, he did everything correctly at that at that time i thought my job was to get him up to a half mile and he was going to go to somebody else and you know we just needed to make sure that that we had him as good as we could possibly make him and looking the part and things of that nature and uh and then the covid stuff hit and and once that hit uh you know tracks started shutting down and that you know people weren't able to train every day and all the different things were going on and and bruce called and said hey uh you know, if, if you're training that horse every day and he's, you know, he's on a consistent schedule, let's just leave him where he's at. And, you know, if you, if you end up running him once, that's fine with me. And, you know, that led to us being able to run him the first time at Churchill. And, and when he won that race, that kind of led to, to us being able to keep him. Um, but, uh, but, but when I, if you're asking me when I thought he was, he was special, uh, that, that second race was, you know, when we the first time around two turns, that was that was that was a big race. He was his ears were pricked and he took command of that and he was in <laughs> complete charge the whole way around. There was never a question how that race was going to finish. And that's I was like, this, this horse, this horse might just be a Kentucky Derby horse. I think a lot of people had that feeling at that point. You know, I'll tell you, it's funny is uh, I, I Bruce. uh you know, I, I, Bruce had the bluegrass on his radar the entire time. And, and, uh, there, I mean, you talk about a guy, I mean, he's, he, you know, he, he knows, he knows where he wants to be with his horses. And I don't think there's anyone that's any better at mapping out a long-term plan than Bruce Lunsford is. And that's exactly, that's exactly the plan he was on, you know, and if you look, it was four weeks, four weeks, four mm-hmm. weeks, you know, right up to it. And, uh, and, uh, we, that what I, what's funny is you'll notice that second allowance race that he won. Uh, I think that was what a four horse field that day. If I'm yeah. not mistaken. Yeah. We, we really had to twist Ben Huffman's arm for that race. Uh, and, and, and he knew that we needed that race to get, you know, to get to the bluegrass. And uh, I mean, we, we had to have a lot of things go our way and a lot of things fall into place. And, and uh, it, it just, you know, gosh, what do you say? I mean, they're, they're you know, there for a while, we had, we, we sure had Lady Luck on our side. Yeah, I remember there was a horse, I think it was a horse that scratched out of that race. It might have been a fight, there was somebody that made, made the race go, and I think a horse scratched, as I recall, but. That's correct. I'm glad, yeah. Five horses, yeah. and there was a scratch, that's correct, yeah. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm glad you got in, because we all got to see one heck of a performance that day. Uh, Brandon, you want to, anything else you got there, pal? Well, Tom, what uh, what's coming up? What do you have kind of pointing towards, uh, you know, Turfway? Anybody we should take a look, for, you know, look for when they hit the track? Anybody we should watch in the mornings, looking at, you know, works and things like that? You know, I got a I got a filly that I'm gonna enter for Bruce on Sunday. Uh, her name's Lady Frosted. She worked well the other day. 
you know, I, I'm hoping to run her before Churchill ends. If not, then I would, you know, I would expect her to show up the first, the very first part of Turfway or possibly even Fairgrounds. Uh, but she's, you know, uh, Bruce has kind of given me a few more opportunities with some of his young horses. Uh, I ran a, uh, I ran a first timer at uh, Churchill the other day, two year old named Gunlap that ran well. He was second first time out. <clears throat> he's, uh, you know, he's, he's kind of a big lengthy kind of colt that you would expect to appreciate two turns next time. And that's a son know, of run happy, right? He is. He's a son yeah. of run happy. Mr. Hancock bought him, uh, as a yearling. And, uh, and, uh, you know, we've always kind of thought highly of this horse. He's kind of been a little late getting to the party. He's just, a, you know, kind of been a big backwards type, but it's, it seems like it's all starting to kind of fall into place now. And I think this colt could have a lot of upside to him. So, you know, we definitely got some things to be excited about right now. Art collectors in South Carolina, and he's going to take a little time off down there and get. I just felt like the weather, would, you know, might be a little better for him down there than what we see here in Kentucky. But, you know, we'll be picking him back up, uh, or at least he'll be starting back into training the first part of January. And, you know, we'll be thinking about some spring races for him. Any long-term hmm. goals for Art Collector, maybe like the Met Mile or, or, or something like that? You know, at this point, it's just getting back to the, you know, getting back breezing again, and then we can kind of figure out where we want to be. Uh, if I had to guess, I would say, you know, you'd probably see him show back up sometime during the Kingwin meet in the spring, you know, as to where that is, I'm not sure yet, but I would say, you know, you'd probably see him show up at Kingwin and then, and then maybe, uh, maybe look at something you know, look at something at Churchill after that and then kind of go from there. What, uh, Tom, what, what do you think is his best trip, his best distance? If you had to guess, or or is the sky the limit? Is it that simple? Is it a one-turn mile? Is it a mile and eight? What is it? You know, I, I, that's, uh, that's, that's been the million-dollar question. Uh, I, I, I really felt like the, the mile uh, in the Breeders' Cup was going to be right up his alley. And, you know, he got, he got jostled around pretty good going into mm-hmm. the first turn. And, you know, kind of had a couple of cuts and scrapes where he kind of nicked himself with, you know, with that mess. Um, uh, but, I, you know, after that, he got himself in a spot and they they just kind of outfooted him. I mean, I, you know, he was in his spot going down the backside and behind those things. And they, you know, they just didn't back up any. They just kept going. No. Now, you know, some people can blame the, the track that day. I mean, we all know that that track was lightning fast. Uh, uh, but I, I, I'm not big on pointing fingers. I mean, they've all got to run on the same racetrack. So, I, uh, you know, I, I felt like we were kind of in the spot that we wanted to be in, that we thought we would be in. And, you know, he just, for whatever reason, he just, they just kind of outfooted him that day. So I, you know, I think at this point, uh, you know, getting, getting back going again, uh, bringing back, I would say, you know, if you were going to run him off the shelf, it'd be somewhere between seven eighths and a mile, something like that. And then, you know, and then you kind of do the same thing you did last year. You just kind of let him take you along from there. Cool. Yeah, that Brandon? Breeders' Cup race, that, I mean, there was a lot of that first turn traffic, if I remember, he got pulled up quite a bit there. Oh, it was, yeah, it was put outside and he was kind of wide coming home. Yeah, that, that, that one hole, uh, you know, and that, that, uh, the, 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 when I talked to Bruce before the Breeders' Cup, uh, I'd actually mentioned to him, I said, you know, there's three post positions that we do not want here. We don't want the one hole and we don't want to be the 11 or 12 going a mile at Kingland. I mean, you just, uh, you know, you kind of, yeah, you just lose all chance. And, uh, and then sure enough, you know, we end up in the one hole and, 
you know, then you, you start thinking, okay, well, it's better than outside. And, you know, he's got enough turn of foot and, you know, Brian, Brian knew that if he didn't go with him, he was going to, he was going to really get shuffled back. And, 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 and that's what, that's, that's kind of what everybody's game plan was. You know, everybody was trying to go and they all ended up kind of stacked on top of each other. And, uh, you know, it was a, it was kind of a rough run race. So I'm, you know, I'm just glad he came back, you know, he's healthy and there's nothing out of the ordinary going on and we'll give him a little break and hopefully, you know, hopefully next spring we'll, we'll see the, the art collector that we we're looking to see. Yeah. I know, you know, the podcast for sure is looking for a big campaign and, and a lot of the fans behind art collector. Cause when he hit the stage, I mean, he that was very exciting to watch that, watch him keep climbing the ranks and the condition and, and get to where he was. So uh, we applaud you for doing all that, especially during a COVID year. That it had a lot of challenges, as we talked about. So, uh, well, uh, man, we've had a great, great night with you, and uh, wish you the best of luck uh, in the coming meets. And and we're definitely going to look at Lady Frosted and Gunlap, and and see what else you got going on at, at Turfway. And if we ever make it out the skylight, you know, outside this quarantine stuff, uh, I'm sure going to come by and knock on your door. Uh, you guys, you guys have an open invite. Just uh, give Sounds us a call. Great. Come on out. We'd we'd love to have you. So uh, we'll we'll let you watch some horses breeze, and you can decide for yourself who you want to look for at Turfway. <laughs> <laughs> nice. That's great. That's great. Well, thank you again. We appreciate it. Yes, sir. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Been a pleasure, Tom. Been a thank pleasure. you, Tom. Uh huh. Bye bye. That's all for episode twenty nine of the Auxiliary Gate Podcast. And until next time, on behalf of Brandon Jaggers and Alan Schneider, this is CC Broadus reminding you that gambling money ain't got no home. <laughs>